Cast. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. And now, on to today's show. All right, listeners, hello and welcome to this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast. My guest today, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with her, is Hella Bank Jorgensen. Hella, thanks for being with us. Well, thank you so much for having me here. Looking forward to this. Uh, me too. This is going to be a great conversation, uh, folks. You know, we've uh, done some pre, uh, pre-recording pre work up here, and I promise you this is going to be an outstanding conversation. But here's what you need to know about Hella before we get into that. Uh, Hella is an internationally recognized expert on sustainable business practices, boasting a 30-year track record of turning environmental, social, and governance risks, or ESG risks, into innovative and profitable business opportunities. She is the founder and chief executive of Competent Boards, which offers online climate and ESG programs from a faculty of over 100 renowned board members, executives, and experts. An advisor to global Fortune 500 boards and organizations, including Nike, Maersk, Shell, and Unilever, Jorgensen also serves on several high-profile international panels including the World Economic Forum Expert Network and Accounting for Sustainability, established by Britain's Prince of Wales. In 2020, she was awarded the Global Impact Award and named one of five people in ESG to look out for. And her new book, and one of the things we'll talk about is kind of a background with some of our discussion today at the very least, is titled Stewards of the Future, A Guide for Competent Boards. Uh, Hella, again, with that background, I just can't wait to hear how you answer that first question that I start out all of my guests with. When you hear the phrase responsible leadership, what does that look like to you? Well, first of all, thank you for that very kind introduction and for kind of like putting my age out there, 30 years or more of, of experience in this. Your question, responsible leadership, and, and you know, I was saying before we joined this, that's it's such a great question. And I think if we think about it, if you are a leader, people are following you. And you then have a responsibility to actually lead people to a better future for themselves and hopefully for all of us. So I think to me, responsible leadership, that is that you are a leader that people follow and you are actually thinking about that in a responsible way. So that means that you think about both that person, but you think about the stakeholders to that person as well. So so that we we get to the place where, where you know, you want to be as, as both a person, but also a, a society. I don't know if that mm. makes sense to you. <laughs> 
No, it absolutely does. Cause I, I love that, that holistic approach, to that answer, because a lot of times when I'm working with leaders, that's the one thing that, that, uh, I run into a lot is leaders, uh, you know, the, the good leaders are very aware and cognizant of the environment within the four walls of their organization. They're very aware of how they treat their employees and how uh, their behavior impacts their employees. But even the really good ones, a lot of times, aren't aware of how they treat their employees and how that impacts their their home life or how they interact in their community. Uh, are they able uh, to volunteer for things in their community to make a positive impact? Or are they just mentally drained to the point of, you know, they're sapped, they go home, and all they want to do is veg out on the couch and recover so they can make it through the next day? And I like that idea of thinking about leadership and, and governance in general very holistically, not just about your organization, but about the community. So I, I really do like that answer a lot. And, and, and you know, you talked about my book, Stewards of the Future, and that is actually what I'm trying to do there. So stewards, so stewardship, but of the future. So often when we talk about leaders, we talk about, you know, what is what you, you steward the company, you steward, you know, your people, as you just said. But if we think about that as a, not only for the next month or the next year, but out in the future, what does good look like? Where is it we want to lead the organizations to? Where is it we want to lead those people, even though they might not be working for you in the future? You know, if you have those relationships and actually want to lead them to a better place, then that is, I guess, leadership. And that is about being a steward, a steward of the future. Same goes from, you know, when you talk about the the, the environment, how do we ensure that we leave also, um, you know, the, the, the world, uh, but also the, the soil and, and the air, etc., in a place where both those that are working, buying, investing, etc., in you right now um, want to be, but also their children and their grandchildren. Yeah. Yes. Again, <laughs> I love I love hearing uh, you say that because I, I think it is so true. And it, again, is something that, that I try to get leaders to really understand is is uh, is that piece. Right. Is is. You don't know what your actions today are going to ripple out through the future. And that's why I like your your thoughts on this, because um you know, we, we use this term change the world and everybody kind of thinks that that is very uh, pie in the sky. And, and it's, it's uh, you know, not something that everybody is really going to be able to do. And, and I try to break it down. It's like everything you do, every action you take, you're changing the world some way. You're influencing somebody to make a decision that is going to influence somebody else to make a decision. And eventually you know, kind of that butterfly effect, right? Those decisions are going to ripple out and you are changing the world on a constant basis through your actions. And again, that's why I love this idea that you, you kind of uh, written this book around because uh, you know, always like it when really smart people uh, that I don't know, I uh, have come to the same conclusions that I have. And uh, <laughs> so there we go. I think that that's a good, that's a good concept right there. I, I take that as a compliment. 
so 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 listen because that there's actually something really interesting in what you're saying as well in terms of like you need to know right and and you said before you you're curious and part of this part of being smart part of being a leader is to listen is to actually be curious and also be serious about what it is that you then get that information and and as stewards or as board of directors or as leaders we need to make sure that we have the insight we need to make sure that we actually have the foresight so that we can make informed decisions so i i don't think that many people wake up in the morning and say oh let me do something that's not good for for those people those i love right i mean or those that work for me or those that buy my products not many people wake up in the morning and say that i hope <laughs> but if you're not informed about what it is that really matters to your stakeholders etc if you're not informed about the consequences the impact the outcome of your decisions well that's where you end up in in a bad place right so that's that's where i think we need to make sure that we ask ourselves that question and there's actually in, in the book i put this seven generation principles it's it's uh, indigenous uh, people's uh, principle where basically say you know whatever action you take today think about what are the consequences what are the impact of that seven generations from now mm. I like that. Again, I, and I love the fact that you pose that question that way because, you know, when you ask somebody to think about the the future, that that's a long, long time. By saying seven generations, that makes it a little easier to to kind of digest and and think about. It. It's still a long time, but it's it's a lot more focused than uh, than the future. Um, and you know. I, I, I'm I'm already enjoying this conversation so much, and we're not even uh, ten minutes in, and I'm I'm really hoping the listeners are taking a lot out of this because, you know, I think you touched on something there that is very key, and I, I chatted with uh, a guest a couple episodes ago about this, but as leaders, we have this feeling that we have to know everything. We have to be the most intelligent person in the room. And some of what I heard you say there was, uh, you know, kind of what we had talked about before, being comfortable with what you don't know, being okay, being ignorant, but be curious, be willing to ask those questions, be, be willing to fill in that knowledge gap, you know, a lot of people are ignorance and equate that with stupidity and, and take it negative. But all ignorance means is a lack of knowledge. We all have ignorant areas in our lives. It's do we try to fake it and, and tell everybody that we do know everything or are we OK with those areas of ignorance and ask the questions of the people that we surround ourselves with that should be smart enough to fill in those gaps? Right. I, I don't think a leader of the 21st century of now is a person that says, I know it all, because none of us do, right? And right. and again, as I said, you know, you need to listen and you need to care. Actually, when the pandemic hit, I, I, I said, we have this thing that cash is king, right? And I said, well, cash is still king, but care is queen. I'm actually at the moment thinking, oh, maybe it's more care. You want to show, you know, 
people you want to show you know everyone around you that you care if you don't care about your employees why should they care about you if you don't care about your customers why should they care about you if you don't care about those that are you know financing the business why should they come back and say hey how can i help you so so that as a leader of showing that you care but that comes with listening if we don't listen you know how do we know what it is that the other person care about and therefore what we should care about so so i i, I don't think and i don't hope we have people out there anymore that says I'm a leader. Don't listen to anything else than than what I say, and just do what I do. Well, hopefully, you know, do <laughs> you both you both say and 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 do, but really make sure that we listen. Uh, I think that's that's a key key issue. Um, we all need to do. Yeah, yeah. No, again, and and um, I, I would like to think that you're you're right that we don't have very many leaders that are doing that, but sadly. Um, you know, my experiences are we, we do have far too many that still kind of rely on that old model. And, and you mentioned a word there, uh, care. Um, and again, this is one of my kind of missions on this podcast is to debunk some of these uh, myths about military leadership, you know, having a Marine Corps background, not a lot of people associate that care and concern and empathy and, and love, you know, you, you talk about the ones you love, the people that work with you. And, and that is, you're right, that is central uh, to great leadership, is, is caring and concern and relationship building. Uh, you know, it's not all command and control. And, you know, when I say jump, you ask how high while you're in midair because I'm the, you know, have a higher rank than you. It is about building, even in the military, leadership is very much about building relationships and showing that you care and, and taking uh, taking responsibility, theme of the, the podcast, taking responsibility for those in your care, because, you know, like, like Hella said, you want to show people that you care so they care back, but you don't want to misuse that care and try to leverage it in ways that are negative for those folks, because care can buy you a lot of resiliency as an organization. Uh, we saw that back in 2008, the, the name of the company has completely just popped out of my uh, mind, but uh, they made national uh, national headlines in the 2008 uh, budget crisis because uh, the, the CEO, even though the, the, the factory was shut down for like two or three months, he continued to pay the workers during that crisis uh, their full salary. And he bought a lot of credibility and, uh, you know, relationship credit with those folks. It'd be very easy for somebody to come in next and people think that they're being cared about in the same way and misuse that trust. So you got to be careful uh, that you don't abuse that trust that's, uh, that's given to you by those who choose to follow you, right? Yeah, and, and you mentioned, and, and, you know, your background in terms of the military, Oh, unfortunately, we have the situation in, in Ukraine at, at mm-hmm. the moment. And you've seen leadership of staying. You see leadership of caring. You see leadership of, you know, having a, a proud, you know, that, that, that's there for, for the country. And, and I guess that's where you really see what it is that having... <laughs> having a leader that believe in his people 
and the people believing in him. And I'm totally far away from it and everything else, so I'm not. But but from the outside, you you're seeing someone who uh, is serious, but also showing a lot of courage. Right. And, and you need to, I mean, and, and uh, again, you know, Earl, you, you know much more about this than, than I do. But if, if you are out there somewhere, I would hope that, that you know that the leader has your back. And I hope that the leader knows that everyone that's out there with them also have his or her back um, in, in that. And, and that just, you know, you can command. But I'm not really sure that you command um, and and uh, and get that full. Um, I don't know even how to 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 explain that. But but you know, where it's really, it's it's natural, right? That 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 you care and and you're helping each other. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you know uh, what what you're getting at there is again something I've talked about before in the show, and and agree with you wholeheartedly is. You know, if you try command and control, you can get people to do what you tell them to do, but they're going to do it at the bare minimum. They're going to meet that bare minimum standard to fulfill what you told them to do. If you care, show empathy, concern, and you inspire people, they're going to go above and beyond because you've shown that you care. And they're not going to do the bare minimum because they want to uh, make the organization look good. They want to make you look good. They want to make you proud. And so they're not going to do the bare minimum. They're going to go above and beyond. And nine times out of 10, the finished product is going to be something that you never even imagined was possible because you let them uh, let them use their innovation, let them use their imagination and uh, let them build some care and concern about the project as well. Right. Well, exactly. And, and I was sitting when you said innovation, you know, that's it's so important that we all innovate we think new we bring new thoughts into the processes you know think diverse opinions etc because that's giving us a better result and you don't get people to innovate to the everything they can if they are not able to bring themselves into the workforce if they're not if they're not hurt right then then, then you don't get that innovation um, so it's just, it's just common sense. It seems like, but <laughs> nevertheless, I'm, I'm quite sure it's, it's, um, it, it's all of it sounds easier than it, that it, than it is. But nevertheless, I think we, we are in a situation where we need leaders and we need responsible leaders. We need leaders that understand all of these aspects, and, and you mentioned ESG or environment, social governance. That's a theme. We can call it responsibility. We can call it sustainability. We need leaders that understand what that means. And we need leaders to be able to have their organizations, have their stakeholders being part of driving this to the, the place where they, as a company, they as a society, they as individuals, or as you said before, you know, happy and and getting and getting um, the the progress that that they want, but in a responsible way. Yeah. 
Well, let's uh, uh, again, I love that there. And, and you know, listeners, you're going to hear that a lot because uh, uh, Hella and I are, are speaking uh, a lot from, from the same book here because we, we do agree on a lot. So you're going to hear me say I love what she has to say quite a bit, uh, but it's true. Uh, and, and I want to focus a little bit on uh, those environmental social governance risks or ESG. And as we mentioned uh, in the bio, uh, you know, the 30 year track record there. But what I forgot to mention was, you know, uh, Hella is a savant. So started when she was like four or five years old. So uh, yeah, there you go. Right. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> see, there you go. I, I fixed that for you. Um, but, you know, let, let's talk about that a second, because, again, it, it's a term. You know, I've heard some some very similar terms, but uh, ESG, this the, getting pitched to have you as a guest on the show uh, was one of the first times that I'd really heard this specific term. Uh, so when you talk about environmental, social and governance risks, what, what are you talking about there? So we have that ESG, environment, social governance. So within the environmental, you, you think climate, climate change think um, you know water energy resources sourcing of that but also biodiversity you know your emissions all of those things that goes into environment if you think social equal opportunities um, health and safety um, human capital uh, anti-corruption uh, issues, um, all of these these social aspects and governance. That's that's where we have also ethics. We have um, data privacy issues. Um, we have how do we how do we structure all of this? How do we ensure that we have the governance in place to have the oversight and, and, and run in terms of the, you know, of the environment and social aspects. And, and all of it is in a term, both in terms of risk and there's a lot of financial institutions and, and investors, asset managers kind of like use the, the ESG and what most of us do it now, but it's basically to say, what are the risks, but also the opportunities that are in these areas. I think if we, we say in terms of, of responsible leadership, it's in terms of sustainability, it might not totally be embedded in that because that's, that's even further uh, than that. But of course, the, the ethical aspects, how, what's the purpose of the organization? What kind of culture do we want in this organization? What do we want others to say about us? What is it that we believe that that people are saying uh, right now? What will they be seeing in the future? And think about it from a risk or opportunity point of view. If you ask yourself three, four, five, whatever years out in the future, what kind of employees do we need? What is it that they will care about? What will our customers actually ask for? What kind of products will they ask for? Do we have those products right now or not? How do we ensure in terms of regulations? We're seeing a lot of regulations in these areas at the moment. Uh, 
How do we ensure that we are in front of that? Saying, you know, luck, favor, they're prepared. Are we prepared for that future? This is strategy. This is strategic value creating from from a, a lot of this is not someone saying oh this is a, well, let's have a, a person in, in a sustainability person that can take care of this this is this is leadership this is strategic thoughts processes accountability on how we're driving this so we have successful company that people care about and that will also be successful in the future Right now, as I said, we have regulation coming up all over the world. We are unfortunately seeing that Mother Nature is sending us a lot of invoices at the moment. That's going to be even more expensive in terms of uh, infrastructure, uh, flooding, drought, um, all of of these aspects. Uh, You were talking about a storm, right? How much that's going to cost? Are we prepared for that? Are we resilient in, in that? But also, as I said, what is it that our customers want in the future? What are their ask? We have seen a huge change in terms of, um, you know, the younger you um, and, and me with the new age you gave me um, of, of, you know, people saying, I want to have products that are very different from when I, you know, grew up, you have now where you have different forms of milk that is not coming from cows. You have a lot of other uh, aspects in, in terms of what is it that people are looking for. They're looking for what is the carbon footprint of this? What is the water consumption? Is this plastic going to be in the food I'm I'm eating? Because it's you know, all the microplastic that we're seeing in the sea right now. So you're starting to have all of these questions coming at the leaders of the corporations. And I, if, if being a leader, I would rather be prepared for knowing what are those questions and actually take an active stance to make sure that my customers, my employees, those that finance my business, that they say, wow, that's a company we want to work for, invest in, buy from, supply to. Sorry, that was a very long answer. <laughs> oh, no, it was it was a great answer. I was sitting here listening uh, to, to every word, and I think it was a fantastic answer and, and an answer that, uh, you know, I think all of my listeners should rewind and, and listen to again on this because, uh, you know, I know a lot of my folks are, are entrepreneurs, maybe small business owners, uh, you know, and you probably heard in the bio that that Hella has uh, worked with, you know, Nike and Maersk and Shell and, and these big uh, multinational uh, reach type of corporations. Um, but these apply to you as well. Everything that Hella just said, they apply to you as well. Yes, right now you may not have as big of an impact as say Maersk. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think we own anything in, in any of our houses that hasn't uh, been touched by Maersk in some way, shape or form through the supply chain. That's, that's how massive uh, they are. And you may not feel that you fit that uh, piece, but I promise you, you know, the, the decisions 
that you're making about where are you sourcing your materials? What materials are you using? Um, you know, your, your corporate social responsibility uh, programs, all of those things as a fledgling organization, it's a lot easier to build those things now uh, and grow with them uh, than it is to get to that point and then try to kind of retrofit everything around that. So you kind of have an advantage, I would say, uh, in, in this by being exposed uh, to Hella's uh, comments because you can plan your organization from the get-go to keep these ESG pieces in mind. So, you know, again, I love that answer and, and thank you for sharing it with us. And and thank you for making all of this. You, you've really nailed it there and i but yes you mentioned these large corporations that i worked with i also worked with a lot of smaller corporations and i think one of the important points that you just made was that this is also a competitive advantage if you are prepared for this now you probably already if you're looking into the procurement from some of your larger uh, customers, they might already now be asking you for a lot of these things. So if you're prepared, if you can go out to your customers and say, you know, on top of, of fantastic products, on top of whatever, whatever it is that, that part of the business model, this is also a way that we are driving our business. We are a responsible business. This is what we're doing. These are our plans. Well, then you have a competitive edge. And that's also when, when we have leaders uh, going through the, the competent boards uh, certificate and designation programs, that's where we're giving them all of this insight. That's where we're giving them the, the foresight to start having those discussions, both as part of the leadership, but also with their stakeholders. And human rights is a big issue in this right now. We're seeing, um, I had a session this, this morning, actually, and, and clearly with what's happening in the US right now is that if you have forced labor, human rights issues in your supply chain, there's a huge risk that you're not going to have those products sold in the US or for that matters in, in, in Canada and Europe, etc. So how do you ensure that also your suppliers are in, in place? And how do you ensure that you can go out to your customers and say, this is, um, responsible products as well as responsible leadership. Yeah, no, that is, that is key. That, that is, uh, uh, you know, cause we've seen, uh, as you pointed out, we've seen a lot of organizations for, for various reasons, whether it is in their supply chain or whether it is uh, prominent board members or CEOs uh, donating to organizations that, you know, have a, I'll just say a shady past, uh, it's had a big impact on bottom lines and, um, oh, you know, yeah. it is definitely a, a dimension that, that, uh, you know, CEOs and, and corporate boards need to, uh, need to think about. And, and I guess it's a great, uh, segue into one of the questions I kind of wanted to ask here. And, and, um, I'm just kind of curious if you had to boil it down to, you know, I'll ask one, but maybe you want to go two or three, um, if there was one, discussion that you feel that every board should be having right now uh, around this topic, what would it be? I think it would be about what is the mark that we want to do? Do we want to be seen as leaders or as lackers? Do we want to 
have a purpose as a corporation, as a leadership that are stewards, stewards of the future, or do we want to have a reputation and a mark of the world that we didn't really leave the the company in a better place than we found it, or we didn't leave the land in a better place that we found it. I'm hoping that we as leaders say, we actually want to make a difference, a positive difference. Mm. I like that. I like that. Um, so let me ask this, right? Cause we, we see the numbers, you know, all of the demographic numbers about, uh, you know, the, uh, the demographics of, corporate, I'll just say corporate America. Um, and we see that, you know, the vast majority of those folks are, uh, you know, the white males, um, and have very similar perspectives. Um, as people are putting together their boards and looking at the available, uh, work pool, uh, that would be quote unquote qualified, uh, you know, the, the, the pickings demographic wise are kind of slim as they say where I'm from. Um, how can organizations, A, uh, kind of as part of this ESG, keep the idea of diversity and inclusion and, and most important, in my opinion, uh, diversity of thought and mind uh, when they're putting their boards together? And where can they find some of this talent that may not be, may, may not seem readily available? <laughs> I love the question. And and I have to say, for those that, that will look into my book, Stewards of the Future, um, in, in that, in there's a chapter there that's male, pale, and stale. In our training programs, just wanted to say, we call it diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, mm-hmm. and wellness in, you know, for the leadership and, and board of directors. Um, but the issue at the moment, Earl, is that if we don't have diverse leadership, if we don't have these voices, you can call it, you know, thought, etc. If we don't have that, how can we get the best outcome? How can we really innovate? How can we really ask the questions we need to ask? So those companies that do not have that, they are leaving a lot of opportunities on the table and a lot of money on the table. Those companies that says, yes, we want to make sure that we actually have diversity. We want to have fresh perspectives into our decisions and say, I can't find anyone. I mean, call me. I have all of these people that go through the, the ESG competent boards designation and certificate program and climate program. A lot of fantastic leaders from all over the world and many of them are already you know fold up in in, in board positions and, and leadership positions but it, there are many 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 leaders out there it's question is what is it we're looking for if we're looking for someone that looks exactly like ourselves well we're not going to get diversity of thought we're not going to get that we want to make sure that we actually understand what is it we're looking for. That's where we start to go in and look at our skills matrix. To say, this is the strategy of my company. What is it we want to achieve? What are the skills we need around the leadership table, around the boardroom table, to be able to drive, to be on that journey, to get the results we want? And then you start looking for those people that have those skills. 
And that does not necessarily need to be, you know, a person that is in, in this age and have 20 years of experience as a CEO and have had PNL and da 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 da. All of those things that we normally say. We need to look at saying what are the perspectives we want. And if you want a fresh perspective, if you want to hear about what it is that the future customers are looking for, well, then you might want to f- find some younger uh, directors, some younger leaders. You can, you don't necessarily need even to invite them. You can have people in your organizations that you talk to. You can have, you know, mentorship that is not that you mentor, but you're being mentored by some of these younger people. You can have advisory boards. There's a ton of opportunities. And I can promise you that the value you get from it is much, much, much more than you would ever think. I uh, 100% agree with that. Um, are you familiar with the concept of uh, policy mainstreaming? Nope. Okay. Uh, no, that, that, that's, that's, that's good. And, and for the listeners, right? So it started out uh, really kind of being known as gender mainstreaming. But um, I guess the, the story behind it happened somewhere in Europe. I'm trying to remember exactly where, but the story of kind of the genesis was uh, there was a town, uh, got a lot of snow, and the, the businesses in the area were complaining because, uh, especially in the factories, a lot of their, their male workers who were driving in uh, to the, the factories, whenever they would have a lot of snow, uh, they would have to show up late and it was causing production delays. Uh, so the community got together and they came up with this policy that they were going to have, no matter uh, how much snow fell, uh, they were going to try to have the streets cleared by, I think it was like 6 a.m. So they implement this policy. They do the things to make it happen. And first snow comes along. And sure enough, all the the males, predominantly males, uh, that were driving into work, uh, the streets were clear. They were able to make it in on time. Everything was fantastic. The unintended consequence was in this town, most of the female workers worked in the city. And so to get that mission accomplished of getting it, uh, uh, the snow removed by 6 a.m., uh, meant that the snow had to go on the sidewalks. And so now the women uh, were having to deal with, you know, uh, a couple of feet of snow on the sidewalks. They were showing up late to open up the, the restaurants and the shops and those sorts of things. And what they, you know, then obviously they started complaining about the undue burden put on them. And the, the moral of that story was kind of what we were talking about here because they didn't have – uh, that female representation on the, the city council, whatever they called it. Uh, they, they didn't think about how this policy, while good intentions, was going to affect someone that wasn't like them, how it was going to make their life more difficult. And so that kind of started this idea of, of uh, policy mainstreaming, of thinking about as uh, a decision-making entity, whether it's a city council, a corporate board, or just a couple of you know, a, a CEO and EVP sitting around having a chit chat. How are the policies that we're implementing uh, impacting people that in ways that we don't necessarily understand? And the only way to really answer those questions, as Helen mentioned, is to have people on uh, on those decision making committees that represent those communities, and and it can save you a lot of 
uh, a lot of embarrassment <laughs> on the back end by just having those voices in the room when the decisions are being made. I love that example. Um, and I think we do it over and over again. We think we know it all. But if we start asking and if we start putting that into our planning, the result is going to be so much better. And the, the more consensus that you almost have in terms of like, what is the right thing here? The more people you actually have also going, going behind uh, an, an idea and then getting that out to be value creation. Right. And I, I, we, we see a lot of, uh, I think, silo thinking where we, we look in different silos and instead of having that integrated mindset of what are the consequences of an action. So going back to almost where we started, you know, the action you take right now, what consequence will that have? And what impact will that have on others, both right now, but also seven generations from now? Yeah. No, again, I like that. I like that that question. And, you know, listeners, again, I really kind of want you to think about this. And, and um, as, you know, you're, you're going through this and listening to this discussion again and going back and listening to some of those highlight points there, you know, think about that seven generation question. And as you're interacting with this on social media, I really want you to kind of share some of those, right? Especially for the folks who are on LinkedIn, you have a little bit longer format. Uh, definitely uh, share some of those ideas of how you're, you're, uh, you're answering that seven generations question. Cause I know uh, I want to hear them and, and I'm fairly certain Hella wants to see them as well. Right. Love, love to love to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Hella, you know, we're, we're sitting here, we're coming up on about 41 minutes or so somewhere in that neighborhood. And, and this has been a fantastic discussion. I loved everything that you've shared here with us already. Uh, I'm just kind of curious. Um, I know we didn't get a deep dive. Well, we kind of did. We didn't directly reference stewards of the future, but we, we touched on a lot of those concepts. Uh, but I'm kind of curious, is there anything that we didn't really uh, talk about that you want to leave listeners with before we close out? Oh, a lot, Earl. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the most important thing is to say, do we have the insight? Do we have the experience to make wise decisions? That is going to be good for ourselves and and for for you know, our company and our community. If we don't, and most of us don't, right? How do we get that insight? How do we listen to others and learn from their experiences? And I think that's what I'm trying to do, and we're trying to do in terms of having all of these faculty members. So we have people from all over the world sharing their experience, sharing their ideas, leaders from all over the world, I guess, as you, I should say, board members, executives, asset managers, experts. And by listening and by learning and by sharing with peers from around the world, you get that diversity of thought that you were talking about. You don't know necessarily need to have them you know, every single day, but you can have this network, this global network that can help you be informed, make better decisions, and therefore also better outcome, both for yourself and, and the company and, and your society. Mm. 
I love that. I love that a lot. And as you were, uh, as you were sharing that piece, there remind me of of a story I shared all the way back in episode twenty four, uh, the episode titled uh, "Don't Feed the Hippos," uh, talking about are you are you solving real problems or are you just feeding hippos? And uh, I'll put a link in that for listeners to go back and listen because I think that'll be very insightful. Uh, as you're doing what Hella tells you to do, because it's a very it's a very good cautionary tale there. Um, now I love it. I love what you're doing. Uh, I love the mission. I love everything about the book and and your your mission statement there. Uh, and I'm rooting for you. I really hope you're having the impact uh, that you want to have, and you're making the change that you want to make. Um, and if my listeners are bought in, which they should be. Uh, and they want to find out more about you, more about uh, competent boards and, and ESGs in general. What's a good way for them to find out more about all of that? Uh, our website, uh, competentboards.com, and they can see both the both the programs, the leaders, the faculty, uh, all the testimonials. We have now over 500 uh, leaders that have gone through the program and then the, you know, the impact impact that the program have had on on those those leaders so that's a good place to start you can also find the book now uh, amazon bestseller uh, um on on our website uh, the book called stewards of the future is of course also on amazon and bookstores etc and i'm uh, hilla bank jorgensen uh on uh, linkedin but and uh, also on twitter and competent boards is also on the social media uh, platforms Outstanding. I'll get those links in the show notes. So you're just a uh, link click away from being connected with Hella and uh, all of those, uh, all of those social media assets and website. uh, So you can get to those easy. Um, Again, Hella, thank you for being an outstanding guest here on the Responsible Leadership Podcast. You shared a lot of great knowledge, a lot of great information, uh, a lot of great uh, questions and just uh, points of perspective that I really think the listeners are going to take away, hopefully implement, uh, go grab a copy of the book. And uh, again, yeah, just thank you very much for having this conversation with me and my listeners and being a great guest on the Responsible Leadership Podcast. And thank you very much for having me. It was a very interesting discussion. A lot of um, thoughts um, that's still processing in, in, my, in my head. Well, all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadershipphalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X dot com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.
Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.